This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, Acts chapter 12, please. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, aren't able to find that on a phone app, there's a Bible in front of you right in the hymnal rack. So grab that. It's important that we be able to navigate in the scriptures. It's important that you follow along. Uh, the more ways that you interact with the scripture as you listen to the scripture, the better your retention will be. And I also want to make sure that you're not just taking my word for it. The Bereans, who at the time and Paul wrote this about them, were still unbelievers. But they were more noble because when they heard that preaching for the first time, they pulled out the scriptures and they searched to make sure these things were so. Is this guy who is preaching to us about Jesus, is he being accurate? Is this what the scripture shows us? And they discovered it to be so. So in our series in Acts, we find ourselves in this 12th chapter where we examine the first four verses last week. We looked at what was happening political, politically during this time. And so Acts 12, verse 1, now about the time... Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. We had a bit of a history lesson last week to find out who is this Herod. We discovered he's Herod Agrippa I, one of the sons of Herod the Great. We got to see what was happening behind the scenes politically with a family that did not know God, did not fear God, uh, a family of Roman puppets, really, uh, who were intent on pleasing themselves and staying in power no matter the cost. They had no morals at all except for what might help them politically to keep the Jewish people happy. And so this is the backdrop of this text. They did what they wanted, and so verse 2, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Now that's a reference to the Passover. In these days, and Many Bible scholars think that before these days started, that he arrested Peter. So we're not talking about a couple days that Peter's in jail. These are days, but he can't really do what he wants to do until the Passover's uh, over, okay? And uh, so he's keeping uh, Peter in prison. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four uh, quaternions of soldiers to keep him. Altogether, we saw 16 soldiers working different shifts. 
intending after Easter, and that's really the word Passover, to bring him forth to the people. Now from this text, again, we see, but we're also encouraged by the reality that we do not need to fear what the heathen and their rulers are doing against the church. They rage. Uh, to, they, they work themselves up into riotous uh, violence is really what Psalm 2 uh, reminds us of. But we see that God can deliver in miraculous ways if he chooses to. Now, he did allow James to be martyred. But his will is ultimately always accomplished. And so I'm, I'm speaking to believers primarily today those who know the Lord, love the Lord, understand his word. And we need to be reminded that we're invincible until God is done with us. We, we are. And in fact, you've heard me say this before, it ought to also encourage us that because Jesus tasted death for each of us, we are not going to taste death. We will come to know what it means for the body to stop working whether we're conscious at that time or not. We, we will come to know that, unless the Lord takes us up in the rapture, and, and I hope we're all looking for that, praying for that, okay? But at the moment the body quits, because Jesus took our death, our penalty for sin on himself, the scripture teaches, Jesus taught the disciples, you and I literally just step into the presence of God. We don't experience death. And that's why even the psalmist said, David wrote, Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, I will fear what? No evil. No evil. Thou art with me. All right. And so, these are the realities. But in this narrative, in this story, we pick up, with one martyred apostle and a second awaiting execution. That's the reality here. Imagine if we were gathered this morning, some of us had already been put to death because we believe in Christ, and we know others are imprisoned, and at any moment we could get the news, they're with the Lord too. What do you think of that? Now, now, let me just remind us, is that a potential and a reality for the church of Jesus Christ? You realize that people all over the world are experiencing just what I've explained. Where one of our missionaries is going this week, he's going to mix with fellow believers. This is their reality. So if you're a Jerusalem Christian at this time, Hoping for human mercy, all hope fades when you remember that Herod Agrippa I governs your region. So look at verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Right? He's guarded by four soldiers. We're going to see from the text he's chained to two of them. These are professional warriors. And there are two gates leading out of the prison. And there is a soldier standing watch at each of those gates. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God 
for him. You might even want to underline the most important part of this chapter right there in your Bible, but prayer was made. If I asked you, what is the most significant part of this story? And it's an exciting story. Stay tuned, okay? Uh, if I asked you what's the most important part of the story, what would you say? Would you say Peter's deliverance? That was exciting, right? Uh, I like the end of it where God causes Herod to die. I, I, I like that part. All right? What a rascal. Well, that's, that's not very loving, Pastor. Well, hold on a minute, okay? He, he is accepting worship as a god. And God says, all right, that's enough. Okay, is, is that the most significant part of the story? Now, if you're focused on what the Holy Spirit is reminding the early church throughout this book, what he's trying to teach us, it's the end of verse 5. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. For Peter. Today we need to see that the two words, but prayer, changes everything in the story, in the book of Acts, in the Bible, and in our lives. But prayer. As we do our final preparation today for another year of ministry here at Good News, we need to be reminded there is no limit to what God can do for us and through us if we are a praying church. Did, did you catch that? There's no limit what God can do for us and through us if we are a praying church. The central figure here is Peter. Later, he would write in his first epistle, 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. By the way, you want to be on the right side of that equation. His eyes, his ears, he's paying attention to the prayers of his church. Warren Wearsby, in his commentary on this text, quotes Puritan preacher Thomas Watson, who said this. Listen, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Once in a while in Scripture, God will show us behind the scenes. When, when men like Daniel prayed, what happens in the throne room of heaven? What messengers are powerfully sent forth? Once in a while we get to see it. But when you pray, just remember that's what happens. That's what God does. So my burden for this 2024 is that we recognize the absolute necessity of prayer for everything, and then that we're mobilized to pray before everything that needs to be done for God. What is a really a spiritual church? They raise their hands, they make noise during services. People really care for each other. Well, that's pure religion and undefiled. Do you know what the sign of a spiritually mature church that's trying to walk in the footsteps of Christ, you know what it is? 
spontaneous prayer. We don't do anything without, oh, wait a minute, we've got to ask the Lord to help us with this. That's your private life. That's what we endeavor to do here together. There ought to be folks saying, hey, hey, come, come join us. You see them walk in a room, close the door. It's not a gossip session. It's a prayer meeting. That's the sign. Without him, we can do nothing. And he's pleased when constantly we are remembering to call on him. And so this is just a continuation of the message last week. Prevailing prayer for, or I'm sorry, prevailing power for the church. Prayer is the major part of that. But I want to show us from the text this morning, it's, it's clear from the text, this isn't my idea. Where our power comes from. Now we know Acts, first chapter, ye shall receive power, and that also means authority, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Present, the video presentation reminded us of that earlier. So the, this power, unlimited power, is available to us. Prayer is essential. That is the main thing. But there are other things in this text, along with prayer, that God uses to encourage and give power as we carry out the will of God. And we're going to look at those things as we move now through the next part of this text. So look down at verse 6. Let's return to the story. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night. Now that's a time stamp. What's it saying? The very night before the day that Peter was to die. Okay? Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. So again, we're reminded where uh, this shift of these Roman soldiers, where they're positioned to make sure Peter doesn't get out like the last time he was in prison, okay? Now, if you were sentenced to die in just hours and chained to two soldiers, would you be sound asleep? I don't know, Pastor, I've never been there. Okay, me either, but... I think I'd be having a hard time sleeping. I don't know about you, but I'd have a hard time sleeping. And by the way, we have some wonderful help from our Savior in this regard because there was a night when Jesus was sentenced to die the next day. And he wasn't sleeping. What was he doing? He was praying. So there's some practical help here. If you can't sleep and you find yourself in this kind of a situation, what you, should you be doing? You should be praying. Now, does that mean that Jesus was less spiritual than Peter here? Say, well, Peter did have a sleeping problem because in the garden he was asleep then too. Okay, now wait a minute. All right. The Lord does give us rest, and we're going to see some texts that, that remind us of that. But Peter had every reason to just get a good night's sleep. And yet, if you're in this situation and you can't sleep or you need to pray, you need to pray. 
But I would also add, if you find yourself in this situation, you also need to be praising. We have another account later in Acts of two missionaries in Philippi. They're arrested. They're in prison. They're not sleeping either. What are they doing? <laughs> they're singing and praising. All right, so praise. Pray. But we're going to see from this text, there's every reason for you to have peace so that you can also rest. That is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to see from this text. Now, circumstances are different, but when we take all this truth, it gives us practical help for the most difficult of circumstances. All right, now let's, let's look on here. First, how deep was Peter's sleep? Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. One of the surefire ways to wake up in the morning, somebody turned the lights on. Well, for most people. Imagine an angel turning the light on. He had just been with God. We see angels shining with that Shekinah glory. It's not their glory, it's God's glory. Remember when Jesus rose from the tomb and those angels were out? What did those, what did those Roman soldiers see then? They saw, saw this brilliant light and angels sitting. Okay? So a light shined in the prison. Peter sleeps. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Even after a bright light, the angel had to gently, and the word means to strike Peter, to arouse him from sleep. It wasn't Peter, Peter. It was whack, Peter, get up. When you're arousing from some, somebody from sleep, it may take a little more volume. And so the angel is commanding a sleepy apostle. He's, he has just delivered him uh, the nudge that he needs to wake up. Yes, Peter had already been jailed. I'm sorry, not once, but twice in Acts. But this time, he was alone. This time, he knows James has already been murdered. This time, he knows that he is the next intended victim. Now, how could Peter be deep in sleep? If you're taking some notes, there's some wonderful help for us here. First of all, Christians were gathered to pray for him. Look down at verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, all right, now this is after he's out of the prison. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. How did he know to go there? I mean, these, these disciples prayed all over the city. How did he know to go there? Well, again, it, it, either he was told by the angel, which the text doesn't say, so the days that he was there... Somehow he had been notified folks were praying for him. And that's what we have to gather from the text. I believe that he knew that they were praying for him. He had been in prison a few days while Herod waited for the Passover to conclude. 
during this time, unceasing prayer, verse 5 says, was happening for him. Somehow he knew that. Now there's a good reminder for us here. You are a great encouragement when Christians know you're praying for them. By the way, if you tell them you're praying for them, make sure you're being honest about that. Uh, a good pattern is if you tell somebody that, stop half prayer with them, make yourself a note uh, with our electronic media, emails, texting. When I get those reminders, I try to stop and pray right then so I don't forget. And then let them know, I am praying for you. Follow up, asking them how whatever circumstance they're facing, how that is going. All right? But Christians were gathered to pray. That encouraged Peter. Secondly, Peter, as well as the praying believers, already knew prison walls can't stop the work of God. You and I need to constantly be reminded, remind ourselves of what God has already done. If you're praying for someone's healing, remind yourself of others you know that God has healed. If you're praying for someone to come to Christ, think about those miraculous circumstances where God drew souls to himself, people were saved, and their lives were changed. Remember what God has already done. Peter could sleep because, well, this is just another prison visit, and if God wants to, he can unlock everything and I can walk out of here. Proof of that is Acts 5.19. Next, the Holy Spirit uses prayer to remind us of His promises. Here's what I love about prayer. When I begin to pray God, remember, part of part, God the Holy Spirit, He's promised. Jesus said when the Comforter comes, He will lead you into truth. He'll direct you to truth. He'll guide you to truth. If you'll take time to pray, not be anxious, not worry, not fret, not charge but pray here's what god will do he'll bring truth to your mind that will help you in those circumstances to reinforce your faith to encourage you to keep praying and to keep trusting so he uses prayer to do that peter had some of the same promises that you and i have let me give you some of those precious promises hold your place here would you go back to psalm 4 Let's look at the fourth psalm together. Not going to take time to read the whole psalm this morning, but, but watch this. This is a psalm of David. Psalm 4, the first verse. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my what? Prayer. Prayer. Look at verse 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Now look at the last verse. I will both lay me down in peace and... <laughs> there you go. And sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Only he can do it, and he does it. What a blessing. 
What a blessing to think that about our God. All right, we're going to just pause for a moment. I think we have a medical emergency we need to take care of. All right, as they're taking care of that, let's pray together. Father, you know the specific need uh, with this dear one in our assembly. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just direct, give wisdom. Uh, Lord, calm hearts. Uh, Father, meet physical needs here, uh, we pray. And uh, Lord, uh, thank you that even as we consider this great truth, that, Lord, you are so powerful, you're so able. Uh, you see the end from the beginning. Uh, Lord, we're fearfully, wonderfully made by the great physician who is also our loving Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, as they're taking care of that need, let's stay focused on the scripture, shall we? All right. So we're looking at these promises. I love Psalm 4. Consider God's promise through Isaiah in Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Can you stay with me? All right, stay focused here. These are promises that Peter had from the Old Testament. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now I noted as I studied for the message that in Isaiah and back in Psalm 4, God's righteousness is mentioned both times. If I asked you, can you define the righteousness of God, could you do it? Here's God's righteousness. The word righteous means to fulfill one's obligations to God. But when we're referencing God's righteousness, God always perfectly fulfills his obligations to us. God has obligated himself to us. Isaiah, David, all of us should be reminded that, you know what, God has committed himself. He can't fail. He can't deny himself. He can't deny who he is. So these are great promises. I wonder if these were thoughts that went through Peter's mind, these promises before he went off into deep sleep. But there's a final part of this that we need to consider. Peter had the assurance that Herod couldn't kill him. Now, everybody just sat up and said, Say that again? Yeah, Peter had the assurance that Herod couldn't kill him. Would you consider with me what Jesus told Peter in John 21, 18? Here's what he said. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walk whither thou wouldest. But when thou art 
old. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Now the last part of that is Peter, I know how you're going to die. I know when you're going to die. Don't make that a concern. You follow me. Now here's the point. Peter's not an old man. Church historians tell us that it was some 30 years later when Peter died. Church history also tells us that he was crucified like the Lord only because he didn't he thought that was an honor that he should not have for himself. He requested that they crucify him, crucify him upside down. But here he's not an old man. The Lord had said when you're an old man Here's what's going to happen. So the point is, Peter could sleep on. Do God's words matter? They matter. They sustain us. They encourage us. They help us in the worst of circumstances. And the Lord had already delivered Peter from prison two other times. Yeah, it's, it's just, this is just another day on the job. I, I need to get a good night's rest. I love that about this text. Now let's step back into the prison where Peter's being held. The angel says to Peter, chapter 12, verse 7, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself. Now what this is saying is, Peter, put your belt on. Many times their belt was a sash made of cloth, maybe of leather, whatever. Peter, evidently, to get a good night's sleep, had taken that off. Now, he doesn't have any choice about the chains, but it looks like he, he arranged himself so that he could sleep, and he had also taken his sandals off. We read on. The angel says, bind on thy sandals. Right? Tie all those straps, put them in place, get your shoes on, you're going on a trip. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Now, we have three different articles of clothing that are mentioned here. The angel's given instructions. Peter, don't leave anything behind. You need that, you need that, you need that. The obvious reality here, though, is this. If you're reading carefully, there is no urgency. The angel isn't going, shh. Like Peter, Peter, not so loud. There's no urgency. Peter, I'm here. Chains fall off. Peter's awakened by the angel. Peter, it's time to gather your stuff up. Okay, put the sandals on. Oh, Peter, don't forget your coat. Okay, all right. Follow me. Now, we know from the text, Peter's not quite there. I would love to have a testimony time. How many of you, you have loved ones that when they wake up, they're not quite there yet, okay? That's Peter. But the point is, there's no reason for urgency why God sent a messenger. God's put all these soldiers to sleep. They're not waking up. Chains are falling off. Clank, bang, 
Nobody's waking up. Iron doors are opening. Nobody's waking up. There's no reason for panic. God's got this. That's what the text is trying to help us see. Have you ever noted that? I love that from this passage. Now we, need, we should not pass over the fact that the angel here is sent by God, used by God. God's powerful messengers are able to bring the needed light and deliverance to Peter. As believers, we have the very presence of God within us. Listen, right here. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we also have powerful angels working around us and for us. Psalm 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Hebrews 1, 14, Are they, again the angels mentioned in the previous verse, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Wow. Jesus is present here with us this morning. What we don't know, what we can't know is how many of his angelic messengers are here too. Pastor, you're being sensational. No, I'm being biblical. And oh, by the way, some of you have probably entertained angels unawares. I didn't say that. God said that. They're working on behalf of the church. I, I think that's all good reason to sleep when you need to sleep. But don't forget to pray when you need to pray. Now let's finish up verse 9. And he went out and followed him. And wist not, did not really understand that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, again, these two other soldiers of the foursome, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city. Now we are past those main gates and we're at the main castle gate. So, at this time in Jerusalem, there are two separate castles. There's the fortress of Antonio by the Temple Mount. And then Herod has a citadel on the west side of the city. This is no doubt the citadel. This is the gate. You don't even get into the palace, but through this gate. What happened to the main gate? It opened on its own accord. And see, you thought Walmart invented those doors that open. No, no, no. No, no. This is an iron gate. This could indicate that there were more soldiers who were sound asleep too. This is the main gate. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. So he's, he's getting Peter, who's still half asleep. He's getting him out of range. They went down this way, and the angel makes sure that he's out of sight of anybody in that palace. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety. Now I understand for sure. That the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of who? 
Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. <laughs> wow. Now we haven't even gotten to the prayer meeting yet. But the Lord encourages us with the human side of the equation here. And I, I know our time's done, so let me finish. Here we have an apostle being delivered and led and yet not even understanding what is happening. Aren't you thankful that God works in spite of our limitations and our weakness? Here's an apostle. He, he's not even sure what's happening, but God knows. Now here's, what, here's what's going to happen later in the story. Really not supposed to let that out yet, okay? But here, here it is. You got a bunch of Christians praying. The answer to prayer, hello, anybody home? It's a whole church load of people in there praying. A young lady. It's fun to pick on teenagers at this point because I, I can put you all in that situation. It's Peter! Yay! Runs back in. Peter's like, oh no, oh no. That wouldn't be any of you. All right, I'm sure of it. Okay. But then, it's an answer to prayer. We, we go tell the folks in the prayer meeting. You've seen his ghost. What? What have you been spending days praying about? And your conclusion is, now, God didn't answer it. It's, it's his ghost. Did God know that they were going to have that human response? A breach of faith. Did God still answer? He did. That encourages me. I need to pray. I need to trust. I know he's going to answer. And then I look in the mirror and it's still me. But God is still God. So, beloved... The power we have is unlimited, prevailing. If we will turn to the power of God's word, what has he promised? Turn to what we know he has already done. Anchor your faith. And then ask great things of God because his promises tell us he will answer. And he's got a whole army helping him too. Father, thank you for this text. Lord, wish we had more time to finish it this morning. But what an encouragement it is to our faith. Lord, I would just ask that Good News Baptist Church would be defined as a praying church. But also a church that understands how great our God is. And a church that when we pray, even in our regular thoughts, we are focused on the promises of God. And Lord, if that is who we are, we will not be moved. We don't know what the future holds, but you do. And we know who holds the future. So Lord, I ask for you to cause these things to not leave us. Lord, help us.
to be focused on your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.